Happy New Year, everybody. It's the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Martinez. January 3rd, 2019. It's the first episode of the new year. Uh, it's only the third day of the new year. I'm completely lost on all my days, the time. I mean, I'm just completely thrown off. I have I had no idea, you know, what date. I, I always know every Thursday because I, I do the podcast. But other than that, I mean, tomorrow could be Monday for all I know. I mean, I'm just completely thrown off. Uh, I hope you had a fantastic New Year celebration or w- whatever you decided to do. I know some people, uh, they go to those, those fancy uh, New Year's parties, you know, the ones that are in like a, a huge ballroom when everyone's in tuxedos and then at midnight, you know, the, the golden black confetti rains down from the sky and all blank sign is playing. And then some people, they just watch Ryan Seacrest, you know, Rock and Eve, whatever you did. I hope you enjoy it, whether it's Ryan Seacrest, or you had, you know, a, a 1920s themed uh, New Year's Eve party. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I had a fantastic New Year's. I will say that much. I had a lot of fun. Uh, that doesn't really factor much into the show. I just thought I'd let you know about me. I thought I'd let you know uh, I had a bunch of fun. So, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome for that. Because I know you were wondering, how was my New Year's Eve? And I don't really go in too far in describing, you know, my personal life too much. Oh, I probably do. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I do on the show, but I, I probably do. Uh, but I just thought I'd share that with you. I had a fantastic New Year's. I had a lot of fun. Uh, some great food. So credits to the chef. Uh, my dad, he's a fantastic, the best pit master in all of El Paso. You show me a better pit master and I'll show you you're wrong. He's the best. He's, he's, the, he's the best. I can't, I don't know. And I have no bias. I know he's, he's my dad, but there, there's no bias on that. I mean, he's genuinely the best grill master in the city. And it's not up for debate. For me, anyway. If you feel otherwise, uh, I would say your taste palate is, is shot. Shots. Not the other. I didn't say, I didn't cuss. We have sponsors, so I did, I did not cuss. Speaking of sponsors, this episode is brought to you by Anchor. We hear from them. Every single week, and we're going to hear from them again this week. Uh, it's a big week. It's a, not only because it's the first week of 2019, and most of your resolutions are they're already in the toilet. Let's just be honest. I mean, it happens to everyone. We make these resolutions. It's hard to they're hard to keep. You know, they're really hard to keep. They're easy to make and they're hard to keep. Uh, kind of like some other things. We're not going to get into that. But it's a big week. Because there's meaningful football on all weekend long. And even extending into the weekend into next week. That's right, I'm talking about NFL playoffs start this week. I cannot wait. This is going to be the best overall playoffs that we've seen in years. And I say that because there's so much parity. There's only two teams in my mind that can't win the Super Bowl. Every other team... I feel has a legitimate shot, and I wouldn't be shocked if they did. And those two teams, ironically, they play each other. The Seahawks and the Cowboys. Those are the only teams where I just I cannot see them winning the Super Bowl in any situation. Every other team, though, if they were to win the Super Bowl, I could I could see that happening. Even the Colts, because the Colts have a ton of balance. They have great offensive line, great defense. They're just they're so well balanced. And obviously, Andrew Luck. We don't even have to talk about him. He's fantastic. The Seahawks really don't have that level of balance. You know, they have Russell Wilson, but they're not 
they're not bad on defense, but they're not great. The Cowboys, uh, they're not bad on on offense, but they're not great. Dak Prescott, obviously, he may be. Uh, no disrespect to him. This is just a testament to, you know, the quarterbacks that are in the playoffs. He might be one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFC. He's probably better than Lamar Jackson, just because he's experienced. Um, better than Nick Foles? Uh, that's a toss-up, honestly, because we're talking about the postseason, and Nick Foles has. Ice in his veins, kind of like me right now. I'm freezing cold. Um, but Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, maybe not uh, one of the best quarterbacks left in the playoffs. They have a great team. I mean, the Cowboys, as a roster, top to bottom, are pretty good. Uh, if they had an improvement on Dak Prescott, I think they'd be even better. Potentially Super Bowl favorites because their defense is that good. But I don't think they're going to be able to consistently stretch the field. Well, we're giving, we're giving away our playoff predictions. We have the playoffs this Saturday and Sunday. And then on Monday, it only gets better. The national championship for college football. It's finally here. Part four, Alabama-Clemson. I can't wait. That game is going to, going to be fantastic. It's not going to be... Okay, well, let's... Again, I'm giving away all my best stuff. So let's go ahead. Uh, let's get into the show. Then we got another quote of the week. Another Raider-themed quote of the week. The Raiders are just fantastic. They're the... Crowd Noise's favorite show, hands down. I mean, favorite team. They're Crowd Noise's favorite team because they're just so entertaining. Are they dysfunctional? Yes. Are they as dysfunctional as the Steelers? Mm, up for debate, but I would say no. I mean, they the kind of noise that comes out of Oakland is, is, is funny. I mean, it's honestly entertaining. The kind of noise that comes out of Pittsburgh is, is annoying. It's obnoxious. It has nothing to do with football. Uh, the Antonio Brown situation, the Le'Veon Bell situation, uh, Big Ben is, I mean, popping off every single. Pittsburgh just wears my last nerve. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, I was gonna say Oklahoma. Oakland is they are dysfunctional. They are noisy, yes, but it's hilarious. I mean, John Gruden has a an amazing quote in every every single press conference. They signed the Peter Man, and then they, uh, well, I'm sure you heard the news, but we're gonna save that for the very end of the show. Quote of the week. They're just so much fun. And they lose. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of the new Cleveland Browns because the Browns are they're a winning team. The Browns are going to be really good. They should have beat the Ravens. Well, maybe not should have, but they had a chance to beat the Ravens last week. So the Browns are no longer the losers of the NFL. It's the Raiders, but the Raiders win more games than the Browns have when the Browns were terrible. Last year, they went 0-16. I think the year before that, were they 1-15 or 2-14? The Brown, I mean, the Raiders this year were... Four and twelve. I mean, that's bad, but it's not. It's not horrendous. I mean, it's not zero oh, and sixteen. So, uh, yeah, the Raiders. I love them. They're so they're great for business. So, uh, we'll be looking forward to that at the end of the show. But first, leading off the national championship, we're gonna do that first because I don't have as it's one game, right? It's just a national. It's not a series. It's not the entire playoffs. It's just one game. So I was planning on doing. Well, we normally do the NFL first to lead off the show. But they had. They're so, we're doing the entire playoff bracket and Super Bowl predictions, and I didn't realize when I was typing my notes that it's going to take a long time to get through that. So I figured, we, why not close with that? Let's let's lead off with the smaller bit first, and then we'll we'll finish the show with the NFL playoffs. Each round, each game, I'm predicting all of them. Uh, feel free to hold me accountable, please. And speaking of holding me accountable, uh, I said last week that I was I didn't. Keep track of my record. I just blindly made my picks willy-nilly. 
Uh, but this year, and I meant this upcoming season, but I guess because it's a new year, we might as well start now. I was going to start holding myself accountable and paying more attention to my picks. Uh, I also said last week I've never had a perfect week in the NFL. Never had a three for three. And last week, you may or may not remember, I did the, the uh, illustrious bonus pick. Uh, it's the first ever we have, first time we've ever done four because it was week 17 and I didn't do any picks the week before that. So we did four picks and I went three for four. And my problem with that is if I had not done that bonus pick and I obnoxiously kept reminding you that it's extra an extra pick, uh, I would have gone three for three. So instead of just doing my regular routine and going three for three or not, I mean, picking three games, I would have had a perfect week. I added that obnoxious bonus pick. And it ruined my perfect week. My one chance to end the season on a high note. And actually, I was pretty darn close. You know, I mean, might as well pat myself on the back somehow. I was pretty close. I was one first down away potentially from, you know, having Baker Mayfield upset the Ravens. It didn't happen. So we finished the year three and four in our last week. Not terrible, but it's it's disappointing because I could have gone perfect if I just decided to not do a bonus pick or if I just decided to go chalk on all my picks I, I would have I would have had four for four so there's holding me accountable in 2019 on to the championship game round four Alabama and Clemson it just it just rolls off the tongue at this point it sounds great I, I can't wait for this game I know a lot of people are sick of this matchup a lot of people think that it's it's bad for college football. There needs to be eight teams in the playoff. And I could not disagree any more with those statements. I believe this is great for college football. I think it's fantastic, especially in this game this year. Because what people want to see in the national championship are the two best teams in the country. They want to see the best possible game the most entertaining game they want to see the best teams they want to leave nothing up for debate when crowning a national champion and that's what we got this year consistently week in and week out these are the two best teams in the nation there's no doubt about every single week they've been one and two all year long they've gone wire to wire and they're both undefeated so what more could we possibly ask for for this national championship Ohio State, Georgia, well, Georgia was embarrassed and beat down by Texas uh, in the Sugar Bowl. And going back to holding me accountable, I was one year ahead of schedule with Texas. I picked them to make the playoff. A lot of people made fun of me. Uh, it was a dumb pick. They were telling me I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And Texas finished the year pretty darn strong. You heard Sam Mailinger, we're back. Uh, I was one year ahead of schedule. So I was pretty close there, but uh, what's the saying? Nose close, but no cigar. So a cigarette. Anyway, Alabama and Clemson have been the best two teams all year long. There's nothing, even if Ohio State, if you, depending on what your view on this year specifically, this playoff bracket, whether you thought Oklahoma should have been there in there, Ohio State or Jordan, whoever it may be, the two best teams in the nation are Alabama and Clemson. There's, there's no debating that. Whether you think that Ohio State got snubbed with me or you think Georgia should have gotten in there, not me, you can't argue with. Alabama and Clemson being the best teams in the country. So why do we have a problem with them being in the national championship? This is what the national championship is supposed to be about. The best teams in the country going head-to-head, playing you know, on the same field, neutral field, and, and seeing who's the better team. This is what it's all about. 
Uh, so now to the game. That's just me defending because I know a lot of people are upset round four. Uh, we've had Cavs Warriors for the past four or five years. Now we're getting Alabama Clemson for four or five years. Like I'm tired of the same championships every... The idea of a championship is to get the best teams in there. And for the past four or five years, the Warriors and specifically LeBron James have been the best teams in the NBA in college football. The best teams of the past four years have been Alabama and Clemson. It's not even close. So what is the problem with that? The NFL has parity. Like I said, especially this year, almost just about every team in the playoffs can win the Super Bowl, which I like. I mean, I get it goes both ways. I get, you know, it's uh, makes things more exciting. Because in the NFL, you know, there's so many teams that can win it. It's not going to be a, it's not a foregone conclusion. But even still, I'd like to see the best teams in the NFL make the Super Bowl. This year, there haven't, I keep saying it, the team of the week, there's a new best team in the NFL. So there really hasn't been one or even two dominant teams all year. So going into getting back to uh, our national championship here, now Alabama and Clemson, I've said it about a million times already in about 13 minutes. I'm going to say it about 14 million more times in the next five minutes. It's, their, it's round four again, but this time there's it's a lot of new phases. That's what's great about college football also. I mean, you get kind of rotating rosters. This is why this is like kind of an anomaly for college football for the same, maybe even one team to make the national championship, you know, three out of four years or three in a row. But for two teams to make the playoff and the national championship three out of four years, you know, three, two and two out of three, you know, three in a row. It, that's what makes it so impressive because these teams are, you know, they're alternating starters. They're sending guys in the NFL. They're bringing in new recruits. They just keep reloading. That's what I like about this. Also, it's not different from the NFL where you're Tom Brady's of the Patriots for 40 years. Of course, they're going to be good, but in college, it's not the same. That's why I respect this even more because you can't, it's not as easy to sustain success in college football. And speaking of that, we have two, well, I don't know about the new face. We have one new face, that being Trevor Lawrence. And we have another guy who's making his first career start in the national championship, Tua Tagovailoa. My favorite player of all time, Tua Tagovailoa. I love him. He's fantastic. Um, it's his first career start, but he obviously, need I remind you, has national championship experience. Now, coming, I didn't want to pick the national championship last week. Number one, because I hadn't seen the teams in a few weeks. And number two, because I wouldn't have a segment for this week. And I'd have to work hard to fill in these, you know, the first 20 minutes. So I saved it for this week. But I did want to, I did watch both of the games. After, I watched, you know, back-to-back. They were on right one after another. And I came away from that thinking Clemson was the better team last week. They played much better. Uh, the final score was a little bit lopsided. Not literally, it was a very lopsided. 30-3 to on top of Notre Dame. Clemson rolled last week in AT&T Stadium. And uh, Alabama, I don't have the score here for you. I probably should have wrote it down. Oh, actually, I do. Let me go back on my computer. But they started off hot. It was 45-34 Alabama over Oklahoma. That wasn't Oklahoma. That was like Canadian. I got to work on my Oklahoma accent. They have like a weird accent. It's kind of Southern, but it's like like a southern accent blended with like a minnesota accent it's really really weird i'll have to work on that for you but anyway nonetheless impressions aren't gonna factor into this football game whatsoever alabama i mean they came out guns a blazing in that orange bowl 21 to nothing in the first quarter then after that oklahoma kind of woke up and they made it 
somewhat competitive. You know, there's only a, an 11 point game, two possessions. That's not a dominant win. I mean, it's a comfortable win, but it's not a, a blowout. You know, Clemson 30 to three, uh, and they actually outscored Alabama uh, by 10 points. Did Oklahoma? So Alabama came out guns a blazing, and they kind of fizzled out a little bit in the second half. Uh, still a comfortable win, like I said, but not entirely dominant. And Clemson, conversely, I mean, you look at the score, 30-3, to you'd think it was a blowout wire to wire. I mean, there's no, no contest there. I felt that game watching the first half, for most of the first half, I felt like Notre Dame outplayed Clemson, even though they were outscored. What were they outscored in the first half? 23-3. Uh, to So they were outscored by 20 points in the first half. I really felt that Notre Dame was playing better football than Clemson. Credit to Clemson, they just weren't letting them score. They weren't letting them score anything. I mean, they drive all the way down the field and then they'd stop them. They'd get a sack and push them out of field goal range. So credit to Clemson, but I felt for the, for most of the first half, uh, Notre Dame was really outplaying Clemson. And then it just, it just fell off the rails. I mean, it just went downhill from there. Uh, so these teams are coming off of kind of opposite performances. And as the game wore on, Clemson really started to dominate. Uh, well, I don't even know if you could say that. First half uh, box score here. It's three to three at the end of the first quarter. It's talking about the Cotton Bowl. Uh, the second quarter was twenty to nothing. So total score twenty three to three. And then going into the second half, there was only one score in the entire second half. It was Clemson in the third quarter. It was seven zero in the third quarter, and then zero zero in the fourth quarter. Final score thirty to three. So both teams really had kind of a lackluster second half. I mean, really kind of packed it up, and you know the, the operation it was done. They, they had pretty much already won at halftime both Alabama and Clemson. But I'd say Clemson had the more thorough performance because while they didn't score as much uh, in the second half, they also didn't allow Notre Dame to score for three whole quarters. And the one time they did score was for a field goal. So Clemson had a more thorough performance in Alabama, I will admit that. And you can make the argument that coming off, of, I mean, they're playing the very next week. They don't get a week off or two weeks off. These are the teams that we're going to see. Clemson, you know, really clamping down in the second half. Alabama perhaps letting up a little bit. And it happened again uh, in the SEC championship game where um, they, they struggled with Georgia, who's a good team. I mean, it's not that they struggled. Georgia played a really good game. Uh, that was the one game that Tua was injured, and Jalen Hurts came in and saved the day, uh, which I loved. I thought that was a fantastic story. But nonetheless, Clemson, if you're looking at these two games, you could say Clemson is should be – actually the favorite in this game because they're coming off of a better game a more thorough game as i've said and alabama kind of struggled against an inferior opponent uh oklahoma who many felt many just me who i felt shouldn't have been in the playoff i love that first quarter i can't tell you enough how much i was i love that first quarter 21 to nothing and then oklahoma made it interesting to their credit they didn't go away they could have packed it up we're down 21 points in the first quarter it's over they didn't give up they made it competitive and they made Alabama sweat uh, just a little bit. However, or not really, however, let me check my notes here. Okay, Alabama has been dominant every single week. I mean, they just, I don't know how many times that, all year long I've been on Alabama's bandwagon, as I should, because they are the best team in the country, coming off of not a bad performance, but maybe not their best performance. And Clemson, year in and year, I mean, not year in and year out, this is their first game all year long where they're playing a formidable opponent now they play in the ACC it's not their fault but the ACC is a very weak conference you can make the argument that they're the second worst conference uh in the power five uh behind the Pac-12 
it's not Clemson's fault. I mean, that's rest, that's the rest of the ACC's fault. They need to step up. But Clemson did not have a very tough schedule. Neither did Alabama. This is also Alabama's first time playing an opponent that's equally as good as them. Not because their schedule was weak, even though sometimes it was. I'm looking at you, this, the Citadel. But because Alabama is just so much better than everyone else. Their coach so much better. I mean, they're, they're more physically imposing. They can run the ball. They can throw it over. The, they just they do it all. I'm taking Alabama. I've taken them every single week, and they haven't let me down one time. I'm taking Alabama because they have experience. They have Nick Saban. I like Alabama this week. I like them a lot. I'm not to say it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a very competitive, close game, a fun game to watch. But I think Alabama will win this game. I like them in the sense that I feel confident in picking Alabama. Uh, it's kind of a long trip for both teams. It's in Santa Clara. What time's the game? Let me get that for you. It will be on this upcoming Monday. Is it January? Uh, I don't have the date down here. Let me check. It's It's on this coming Monday. If you're listening. I don't know when you're listening to this, but I'm doing the podcast. Obviously on Thursday. It'll be Monday the 7th at 5 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, in Santa Clara, so it's also local time. Uh, both teams are coming off of bowl games in the South and in the East. Alabama, <laughs> they have a longer they have a longer travel. They're coming from Florida, and Clemson's coming from Dallas, specifically Arlington. I don't think they'll have anything to do with that. I just wasted all of our time. But I think Alabama will win the game because they're they're just the better team. When you get games, when you're picking games like this, and the teams are so evenly matched, and it's hard to really defer between one or the other because there's just so, you pick top to bottom who's the better team who has the better coach both I would say both Alabama the credit to Dabo Sweeney not, not taking anything away from him but Nick Saban is Nick Saban okay I mean he's built this actually today is the anniversary I think it's the 12 year anniversary now of Nick Saban's hiring an Alabama what a great hire way back in 2007 who could have imagined what he would that he would do a job like the one he's done. I think it's only fitting on the anniversary we pick Alabama. 37 to 30. I will take Bama over the Clemson Tigers in Santa Clara. I think it's going to be a great game. Not as it's not going to be as good as the Deshaun Watson game, because that that was an all-timer. I mean, that that game's up there top three, top five college games ever. Maybe not as good as you know, the SC Texas Rose Bowl, but I would say a close second or third. I mean, that game was really that good. So it's, it's unfair to expect a game like that this weekend or this Monday, but, but I think it'll be a good game, 37-30. to 30, Alabama by a touchdown. Uh, now it's time for the ads. Okay, so the NFL playoffs start this Saturday. That's two days from today or whenever you listen to it. To this podcast, it may be tomorrow, it might be today, it might have already passed, depending on when you listen to it. But as of right now, at the time of this recording, the playoffs are on Saturday. It start the very first game of the playoffs is the Colts and the Texans. That game is at uh, well, let me give you some dates. January the fifth. Uh, that's a Saturday at one thirty Pacific is the Colts and the Texans. Then at night five fifteen, that's again Pacific, the Seahawks and the Cowboys. And then Sunday, January 6th, the Chargers are going to go to, the, to Baltimore to play the Ravens at 10 o'clock. Pacific. All times are Pacific. I'm not going to say it again. And then the afternoon game, they're keeping it like a regular NFL schedule. There's not going to be a night game, like NBC Sunday night. Uh, it'll be a 1 o'clock, 140 here. Uh, Eagles at the Bears. That's the 
wild card round. The other teams, uh, the Chiefs, the Patriots, you know, the Rams, the Saints, all those guys, they're on a bye this week, obviously. I feel like it goes without saying, but because I'm so courteous, I'll, I'll remind you anyway. So we're going to be doing an entire bracket prediction. Obviously, we're picking games this weekend. But everything after that, I, I consider it a prediction because, I mean, we don't know. I do because I'm a psychic, but everyone, no one else knows. So the, consider this your, your picks for the week. And then everything after that is your, your bracket predictor. So let's go ahead and get into that. This is very different from our uh, Super Bowl or likely to win the Super Bowl rankings. That was very confusing and it took up almost 40 minutes to make. This is I'm actually picking games now. So this, this is uh, who I think is going to win. That's why I'm picking them. So the first game on Saturday, the Colts and the Texans, the divisional rival. I love these games. I love divisional games in the playoffs. I think those, these are the best games because obviously the playoffs mean everything already. And then you add the rivalry, you add bragging rights to that. You add the familiarity between the teams. So you're going to get a well-coached, a well-played game. Uh, I think this is going to be the best quality game of the weekend, the Colts and the Texans. Maybe not the most interesting, that one is yet to come, but the best football game is going to be this, the first one, the Colts and the Texans. The Colts last week clinched their playoff spot after comfortably beating the Texans at, excuse me, the Titans at home as predicted by moi. Uh, by me, I'm never going to, I don't know why I did that, but we picked the Colts last week is what I'm trying to say. Uh, they look great. They look, you know, balanced. This is what the Colts are. They don't blow you away really in any facet of the game. And if you start breaking down the roster, the only place they really blow you away is obviously quarterback because Andrew Luck, is <laughs> he's fantastic. I love watching him play. Uh, he, had a, he, he could have been quarter of the week, uh, actually. He, they asked him, how do you feel about making the playoffs? And he said, that's stinking awesome. Like, that quote was stinking awesome. Like, who says that? Like, I love Andrew Luck. He's, he could have been quarter of the week this week. He wasn't, but that's besides the point. The Colts are really, really well-rounded. They can run the ball uh, with Marlon Mack. They have a revamped offensive line led by Quentin Nelson. Just one guy, I mean, really one guy completely turned around that offensive line, um, turned around the trajectory of Andrew Luck. I mean, that poor guy was just getting beat into the turf every single down. Now he's got time to throw. Uh, obviously, they still have T.Y. Hilton, who's he's great also. I mean, he's had a great year because Andrew Luck's having a great year. Uh, their defensive line is, is great. I mean, the Colts are just so well-balanced just any way you look at it. And the Texans, they're a good team, but they are not as well-rounded as the Colts. Their offensive line, conversely, is horrendous. I mean, it's just so bad. It leads to a lot of problems for the Texans. They don't have a consistent run game. It leads to a lot of confusion. Who's their number one guy? Is it Lamar Miller? Is it Alfred Blue? Uh, because their offensive line is, is just not good. It hurts their passing game because Deshaun Watson is running for his life and he doesn't have Will Fuller anymore. Also lost to Marius Thomas. So he's down to DeAndre Hopkins, who is a top two wide receiver in the entire league. I mean, it's not, he's not nothing, but it, it's hard to throw when you're, when you're running for your life every single play. And the Colts, uh, they get in the backfield every now and again. They're not, I mean, they're not the Chargers or, or even the Cowboys as far as pass rush, but they do have a great defense. I like the Colts this week. It's one of the few upsets that I have I I really like the Colts uh to win this game to upset the Texans even at home I really like the Colts because it'll be a close game it's going to be a really really fun game to watch it's going to be competitive it's going to be close the Texans obviously have J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney 
But the Colts offensive line is doing more than just enough to get Andrew Luck a clean pocket, get him enough time to move the ball downfield. I think their offense is going to be humming that first game and keep, uh, you know, they're going to put the Texans in a hole that maybe they can't come out of because their defense is so strong. I like the Colts this week, 24-17. I think it's going to be the best game of the weekend. So there's that, 24-17. Colts, second game on Saturday, the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Now, these two teams are almost identical. This is the hardest game to pick of the weekend because these teams are exactly the same, but different. Um, they, they're power-running teams. Uh, the Seahawks, they're the same team, but they have, they're good and bad in different areas. And what I mean by that is they both, okay, they're the same in the sense they both run the ball that much we know. The Seahawks play good, not great defense, and the Cowboys play great defense. I mean, they're that we know. The Seahawks, uh, they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. The Cowboys do not have that. So they're, I mean, and then the Cowboys, obviously, they have Ezekiel Elliott. The Seahawks are more running back by running back by committee. Uh, Chris Carson, Mike Davis, uh, Rashad Penny. They don't have an Ezekiel, a generational talent like Ezekiel Elliott at running back. And the Cowboys, uh, they have a better number one receiver. Amari Cooper, the Seahawks have Doug Baldwin, who's been good as of late, but he's very inconsistent. As is Amari Cooper. I mean, you can make the argument that they're pretty much neck and neck there. I would give the slight edge to Amari Cooper just because he's had a resurgence in Dallas, but it's not night and day. Doug Baldwin and Amari Cooper both inconsistent, but I would give the slight edge to Amari Cooper. So with that, uh, it's hard to go against Russell Wilson, especially because Dak Prescott and Russell, it's no comparison him to Russell. Russell Wilson is one of the best. I know I just say that about every quarterback. He's the best, but I mean, he is. I mean, he's top five. Him, Andrew Luck, maybe not one of the more underappreciated quarterbacks in our league, despite being as great as, you know, he is and Andrew Luck is. They're really not as appreciated as much as I feel they should be. But everything I just listed points to the Cowboys winning this game. They have a better offensive line. They have a better defensive line. They have a better running game, which is what both teams like to do, but I'd say they have the better running back. It's not, not I'd say, they do. They have the better running back. That's no arguing that. Um, and they have the better defense. Now, this isn't the Legion of Boom Seahawks. The Cowboys' defense is far superior. While the Seahawks are good, they're not bad on defense. They're good. They're not as great as the Cowboys. And the reason I like this matchup with the Cowboys is because they have a good pass rush, but obviously their linebacking core, I know you've heard it 10,000 times this season, Jalen Smith, Leighton Van Der Esch, and Peppering in Sean Lee. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do with him. But they're a good tackling team. Now, that seems like a really boring take, though. They tackle really well. But here's why that factors into the game. When you're going up against Russell Wilson, who's one of the great improvisers in football history, and you combine that with his, his throwing accuracy, he's not a runner. He can throw the ball accurately, and he can mix in, you know, he can, he can run all over the field. It's great for DeMarcus Lawrence and Antoine Woods, the, de- the defensive line of the Cowboys, to flush out Russell Wilson. It's going to be up to Leighton Vanderesh, Jalen Smith to tackle him, bring him to the ground, first contact. You can't let him run around and, and chip away yards because he's, they're going to score at that point. Uh, the one thing that's going to keep this game really, really close, in my opinion, and may it's going to be the Achilles heel of the Cowboys this season, they are horrendous in the red zone. I mean, they, they are allergic to scoring the football in the red. If they're not scoring from 60 yards out with Amari Cooper, they're not scoring a touchdown at all. They're not scoring, period. They're really not good. I think that will keep it close, but the Cowboys' defense, again, will have to bail out the offense as they've done so many times this year. I'll take the Cowboys at home 
where Dak Prescott has played well, uh, twenty to seventeen. I think I just think they're they're too powerful for for the Seahawks, especially with the run. Uh, they didn't have Tyron Smith last week, a healthy scratch against the Giants. They didn't have Ezekiel Elliott, and they still managed to win that game. So I'll take the Cowboys this week, twenty to seventeen. Uh, moving on to Sunday, we got to pick up the pace. Chargers and Ravens. Uh, I already documented uh, the Browns almost beat the Ravens. I would have been. I would have been the most arrogant podcaster in the United States, which is saying something because a lot of podcasters are really, uh, yeah. So the Ravens, again, they're still the team of the week. A lot of dark horse, you know, Super Bowl picks. I'm not, it's not that I don't like the Ravens. It's just, I, I'm not a, you know, sometimes you got to trust your eyes. You know, even when everyone's telling you you're wrong, you got to trust your eyes. You got to trust your gut. I don't see it for the Ravens. I'm not a believer in the Ravens yet. Uh, to their credit, they held Cleveland down. I mean, their defense and specifically their running game just took over uh, the game against Cleveland. Baker Mayfield had an opportunity to win the game, but t- they blitzed on every single down on that last drive, and Baker Mayfield just had no time to throw. I mean, it's not really his fault. It's not. I wouldn't blame the Cleveland offensive line. I would give the credit to the Baltimore Ravens, but I'm just not sold on the Ravens entirely yet, and if you're not sold on them yet, you're not going to be sold on them at all. We're in the playoffs now. Uh, the Chargers I am sold on because they are just so well balanced. That's going to be the theme of the day today. Keep that in mind. I like the balanced teams. Uh, they can run the ball with Melvin Gordon. Uh, oh, and then going back to that, the Ravens, yes, they beat the Chargers in a soccer stadium, but that was Melvin Gordon's first game back, so we can't say he was fully healthy. Keenan Allen was hurt. He was not fully healthy. And it was a close game. I mean, the Ravens needed a fantastic throw from Lamar Jackson, which he made. I'm not taking anything away from him. He needed a spectacular downfield throw for a touchdown, which basically sealed the game at that point. But they didn't they didn't uh, run away with it. They didn't blow out uh, the Chargers at home. Uh, and Melvin Gordon wasn't fully up to speed. I feel he should be this week. That was two weeks ago, I think, or two, three weeks ago that game was, and he wasn't fully ready. Uh, he should be now. The Chargers just do so much. They have Melvin Gordon, as I said just now. They have Keenan Allen. They have Mike Williams, who's been... You know, he was MIA for the whole season in the past few weeks. Once Keenan Allen went down, Mike Williams, who really started to take over and had some really solid games. Um, they've seen the Ravens recently, as I just mentioned. So the one thing that everyone keeps saying, oh, how do you how do you stop the Ravens? They're so confusing. How do you guard the run? Well, the Chargers just saw it, and they did a pretty okay job um, at slowing them down. I know you've seen those AT&T commercials. Okay is not good. But they're going to have to be better. I don't know where that came from. But they did an okay job. And I say okay because they lost the game. I think they will do a better job defending Lamar Jackson in the run this time around. Because it's been it's so recent. Like how, how different can the Ravens be you know, from three weeks ago in, in LA? I don't think they'll change it up too much. And I think the Chargers will be ready. I like the Chargers this week comfortably because Phillip Rivers, he's on a mission this year. I think they're going to force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. And if we're talking about the quarterback duel between Phillip Rivers and Lamar Jackson, I'll take the Chargers 27-14, to 14, a comfortable win um, for L.A. The last wild card game this week and this, the year, um, the Eagles and the Bears. Now, this is the one where I said this is the most interesting game of the playoffs to this point uh, in the first round. I say it's the most interesting because... Nick Foles is back, and everyone wants to see if Nick Foles can do it again. And admittedly, I am one of those people. 
I am genuinely rooting for the Eagles to because what a story. I mean, Carson Wentz, MVP last year. He didn't win it, but he would have if he had stayed healthy. Uh, not that he's injury prone. Well, I mean, I guess you can make that argument now, but he got hurt against the Rams. Nick Foles stepped in, saved the season. Uh, well, actually, no, that's a lie. I was, I was saying this the other day. Nick Foles, this year would be more impressive than last year because he didn't save the season last year. I, just, I misquoted there. He came in and he stepped up and he won the Super Bowl. He outdueled Tom Brady. I'm not taking anything away, but the Eagles were already the number one seed. They were the best team in the league all year. This year, he saved the season. They were, they were out of the playoffs when, when Nick Foles took over. And he, he stepped up again. He's been fantastic. Um, they fought their way into the playoffs. Like they, they had to fight for a playoff spot. So they, they, he didn't have the same kind of cushion that he had last year. And even winning in the playoffs and winning the Super Bowl, that's impressive. If he were to, if he were to make the Super Bowl this year, that would be, I would be more impressed by, by this year than last. And he's already got a statue outside of Lincoln Financial Field. It was the, um, him talking to Doug P. You want Philly Philly? Which was a, cl- a classic, number one, a classic line. That's, that's an awesome, awesome line. That's going to go down in Super Bowl history. And a classic play. I mean, we're going to be showing our, our grandkids are going to be seeing our NFL films of Philly special. It was a fantastic play. It defined the Super Bowl last year. When you think of Eagles Patriots, you think of that Philly special. It won the game. It was fantastic. But if he even makes the Super Bowl this year, they don't have to win it. If he gets to the Super Bowl, they're changing the name of the stadium to Nick Foles Arena or whatever. I mean, they're cha- that's how much they love Nick Foles. And that's how impressed I am with Nick Foles last year and specifically this year. But for any of that to happen, they have to beat the Bears. And as much as I want them to beat the Bears because I want to see Nick Foles succeed, he's a likable guy. He's a great guy. He's a great player. Um, he's led there. He's a leader in the team. Like you can just see the Eagles are just, they have life with Nick Foles. Nothing against Carson Wentz, but it's just a different vibe with Nick Foles. It's, it's kind of confusing, but it's very interesting. But the Bears are, they are the best. I love saying it. They, they are just, they're the best defense in the NFL. Don't show me the analytics, the metrics of the Ravens. The Bears get after you. They can turn the ball over. Uh, they're just and they have home field advantage where it's going to be freezing cold and windy in Chicago. Uh, their offense is very inconsistent. Is Chicago that much? And specifically Mitchell Trubisky. Um, but they have they have like an odd, but successful run combo uh, running back duo with uh, Mini Me Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard. They can protect Mitchell Trubisky from himself by running the ball. You know, getting little short screen uh, passes to Tariq Tariq Cohen. Or is it Tariq Cohen? Yeah, it's Tariq Cohen. Um, you know, the short guy on the Bears. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, it's not when the other... Because there's going to be a lot of short people in this game. You got Wendell Smallwood. Um, Darren Sp- oh, He's hurt, isn't he? The Eagles have a lot of short running backs. But anyway, I'm getting off topic here. Uh, the Bears are just really inconsistent offensively. But their defense is sustainable. Great defenses. They are... they Week in and week out, they are sustainable. And Nick Foles, while he has been great, he broke, or did he tie... The all-time record for consecutive completions. He has turned the ball over. I believe every start since he's took over, he has turned the ball over at least one time. Uh, and the Bears are very opportunistic. They force turnovers uh, against you know good teams. I mean, not that the Eagles aren't good. They force turnovers against teams that don't turn the ball over. They, they do the Bears. So if you know Foles has been turned the ball over lately, which he has, uh, I think the Bears 
punch it in. I think I think they do get a touchdown defensively, or if not, they they get a walk-in touchdown for the offense off of a good field position. I think the Bears, unfortunately, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game because the Bears are just inconsistent on offense. They score a touchdown on defense. I like the Bears this week, 17-6. to That hurts my feelings. I really want Nick Foles to win. Nothing against the Bears. I just think the story of Nick Foles coming in again, you know, in an even more difficult situation for the Eagles, I, th- I just, I want to see him succeed. I don't think he can overcome this. If he does, I will gladly eat my words next week if he were to beat the Bears. I don't see it happening, especially maybe if they were in Philly. Like if they had a better, okay, similar to last year, they had a better record, they had home field. I'd probably pick them to win in Philly, you know, even against this Bears defense. But on the road with, I mean, I just don't. It's a different kind of cold. Like it's it's cold in Philly. It is frozen in Soldier Field. I mean, it's just a different kind of cold. Uh, I like the Bears. I don't like that pick. But you got to do what you got to do. Bears 17-6. to That takes us to the divisional round. Let's stay in the NFC. The Bears and the Rams. We've already seen this game in Chicago. This one will be in L.A. The Bears already beat up the Rams. I mean, it was an ugly game for Jared Goff. Uh, he's had a string of ugly games, specifically since the injury of Cooper Cup. Now, I thought originally that was just going to have you know, consequences for fantasy owners like myself who traded for Cooper Cup. That wasn't... Well, it was a smart trade, but I think at the time it was a smart trade. It just didn't work out the way I hoped it would. But anyway, uh, ever since they've lost Cooper Cup, the Rams' entire offense has been affected. The only one who hasn't truly been shut down is Todd Gurley, but even his numbers have been down. I didn't think Cooper Cup would have that big of an impact on that whole offense, and it has. I mean, the Rams have just not been the same team that they were the first four, five, six weeks of the year. I mean, they're completely different but they do get a week off they were good enough in the beginning of the year to get a week off and home field advantage which is really important because they will have a rested Todd Gurley and I think that's going to be the key Todd Gurley's going to have have to have a monster game to beat the Bears even if they are as inconsistent as they are on offense I think I think Todd Gurley is going to have to go he's going to have to go off like an all-time playoff performance for them to win this game uh, which is hard to do against the, this Bears defense. I like the Bears again uh, in the divisional round. I think they can beat the Rams at home. I really, I really do. I think they'll keep it close enough, again, for Mitchell Trubisky to stay out of his own way. As long as he doesn't turn the ball over in this game, the Bears should win because the Rams aren't, they're, they're not going to score a ton of points, which sounds odd because early in the year, if I had told you the Rams aren't going to be able to score you you would have you would have turned the, the podcast off. I mean, there's because the Rams were just scoring at will. But now, without Cooper Cup and the and the, uh, the way they've been playing these past few weeks, I'm not assured that they're going to be able to score points on Chicago's defense, um, even at home. And the Coliseum, I love it, but LA teams just do not have a real home field advantage. Maybe that will change uh, when the new stadium is finished being built. Maybe they'll have like a, a real home field advantage, but for now, like the Chargers playing like a twenty thousand seat soccer stadium, it's it's embarrassing. The Rams they play in the magnificent, the legendary Coliseum, but it doesn't really. It's not like Chicago's home field. It's not like Lincoln Financial, Lambeau Field. I mean, of course, that's kind of unfair because those are all classic, you know, venues. But so is the Coliseum. It's had two uh, Olympics, so there's that. I'll take the Bears in the divisional round, twenty-four to eighteen. Even off a of bye week, I think the Rams, I don't, I don't think they'll have enough to overcome the pass rush um, 
of the Bears going to the other divisional round in the NFC, Cowboys and the Saints. Now, this is the one team the Cowboys did not want to see in the entire playoffs is the Saints. They beat them at home this year, but they did that while holding Breeze to 10 points, and they didn't score a single point in the second half, did the Cowboys. The Saints could have won that game and probably should have won that game. It was just an odd. Everyone had one this year. Everyone had like like a dud where they laid an egg. They just didn't play well. Everyone kind of had a pass this year as far as the, the playoff teams. And that was the one game for the Saints. And that was in that was at AT&T. This one's going to be in, in Nolens in the Superdome. I don't see the Cowboys holding Drew Brees at home to 10 points and I think it's finally going to come down this is their Achilles heel all year long the Cowboys are going to have to score I don't think their defense will be embarrassed I think it's going to be a snowball effect like they're going to hold them in the first half then the Saints are going to start chipping and chipping and wearing them down and then it's just it's just going to you know run downhill for the Cowboys defense but I think they will keep them in the game for at least the first half will the Cowboys defense but the Cowboys inability to score on offense in the red zone is ultimately going to be their demise um, I think the Saints win this game big, 38-10. to 10. Uh, Maybe some garbage time touchdowns in there, in there. Like I said, I think this will be a game in the first half. Maybe, uh, I don't know, 17-3, nothing. You know, a, a comfortable league, but certainly not out of the game will, will the Cowboys be at that point. If you're down 14 nothing in halftime, you know, that, that's doable. But I think with the Cowboys' inability to score, I think that's going to be a really big hole for them. And it's just going to avalanche. I'll take the Saints 38-10. to 10. Divisional round in the AFC. Colts and Chiefs. That one in Arrowhead. Because the Saints will... I mean, excuse me. The Colts will be the lowest remaining seed. So they'll have to travel to Arrowhead. Um, yeah, they're going to have to go into Arrowhead. The Chiefs are a much harder team to decipher as far as picking games than the Colts. Because they're just so... They're so unbalanced. They're so lopsided. Like they're they're the definition of home run. You know, no defense, but they do score. Like they, that's one thing you can count. It's not just big plays or nothing. Like they do move the ball downfield. Patrick Mahomes, the MVP, he's been fantastic all year long. The Colts are a little bit. You know what you're gonna get from them because they do everything so well. They can run. They can throw. They play deep. They do it all. Do the Colts. Now with that, you'd probably think. The Colts should win this game because they do it so well. But I do think, whereas conversely, the Rams, I don't think Sean McVay with an extra week is going to have much to say, you know, or much to do about deciphering the Bears' defense. I think Andy Reid with an extra week, I think I think that could be dangerous for the Colts. And think the Colts are going to be, they're going to have a tough game against the Texans, a divisional game. As I said earlier, it's going to be a really really tough game for them. I know the home playoff drought is well documented. Andy Reid himself has had problems holding leads. In the playoffs recently, but here's they haven't had Patrick Mahomes. This is the first time they go into the playoffs with Patrick Mahomes. I think this is I think they're gonna end the drought. I'll take the Chiefs in a shootout. I think Andrew Luck will come to play. I think he will he will oblige Patrick Mahomes and and keep it real close. I have the score here forty to thirty-eight. But I think ultimately the Chiefs just they score a little bit too much. I mean they just, well not you can never score too much. What I mean by that is they're just they're a little bit too potent, I think, for the Colts. They're maybe a year ahead of schedule. Um, are the Colts, I think, one more year of that defense. A little bit more experience. Uh, you know, they've drafted really well. They bring in another draft pick. Uh, however they want to spend it, they can draft a punter for all I care. But the Colts will be good next year. They're good now. I think they'll be better next year. Uh, right now, it's the Chiefs. I'll take them 40-38. to 38. And the other divisional game in the AFC, 
the Chargers and the Patriots. Now, I said this a while in my Super Bowl rankings, and I'm going to say it again just because I don't think anyone was paying attention. I just want, I want to drive that point home. The Patriots have the worst roster in the playoffs. Now, let me say that again. They have the worst roster. R-O-S-T-E-R. They have the worst roster in the playoffs. They don't have a running back like Ezekiel Elliott. They don't have perimeter threats like the Chiefs. They don't have a pass rush like Chicago. They What they do have, of course, is what they've had for 20 years now. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and they're at home where they're, where they're unbeatable. I mean, you go into Foxborough in January, you have problems. But it feels like this year, it's, it's too much of a talent gap for them. Rob Gronkowski is not the Gronk from, what are we in, 2019 now? He's not the Gronk from 2014, uh, 15, and maybe going back another 2013. He's not the same Gronk. He's been kind of, you know, uh, he's been on the side of milk cartons, is what I'm trying to say, for most of the year. He's not the same Gronkowski. And the Chargers, like I've said, they're so well bound. What do you, okay, Bill Belichick, his philosophy, and it's a good one, he makes you play left-handed, meaning he takes away your bread and butter. What is the Chargers' bread and butter? Honestly, what is the one thing you take? Do you take away Melvin Gordon? Oh, well, you still got to worry about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Do you take away the passing game? Well, then they're just going to hand it over to Melvin Gordon, let him go to work. I, I think this year the Chargers are going to be a little bit too much to handle. And this is strange. It honestly, sometimes, like I said earlier, you got to trust your eyes. You got to trust your gut. Even though the Patriots are at home and it's Tom Brady and Bill Bell, they're especially being at home, I think that's a huge advantage for them. They have the worst roster in the playoff, especially after losing Josh Gordon. Now they don't even have the same passing game. So I really, really think I, this feels, it still feels weird for me to say, but I'm going to take the Chargers to beat the Patriots at home 37 to 31. I think it'll be a close game, but ultimately the Chargers, their level of talent mixed with discipline and mixed with balance. They're not the Steelers who have talent, 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 but they don't know what to do with it. They can control their talent, they can control the tempo of the game. I think the Chargers are going to win this game. 37th, even in Foxborough. And to listen to this. If the, the Patriots, yeah, I have them losing in what would for them be the first round. The sky is falling. I don't think it's the end of the dynasty. I'm not going that far. I just don't think they're going to beat the Chargers. I don't think they're a better team than the Chargers, which they're not. I don't think they're going to beat the Chargers. And they can't make the Super Bowl every year. Now, I know if they don't make the championship. They don't make the Super Bowl. It's like, well, what are you saying? They're not a good team. Listen to this. If they were to get to the Super Bowl this year, it would be the fourth Super Bowl appearance in the last five years and the third in a row if they were to get there this year. That's unbelievable. They can't get to the Super Bowl every single year. Now, they're great, and I don't think the dynasty is dead, but they cannot win it every single year. They literally just cannot. They can't win it every single year. I don't think it's a big deal. I think the Patriots will assess their options in the offseason. They'll fix some things, and the Patriots will probably win the Super Bowl next year. So, I mean, I don't think it's a big deal. I think the Chargers are going to bring a little bit too much for them. I'll take the Chargers in the divisional round. we got to speed it up. In the championship round in the NFC, the Bears and the Saints. These have been the most consistent teams in the NFC. I know I said that Bears' offense was inconsistent, but they've been winning games. And the Saints, the same thing. They've been struggling off on offense, but they've been winning games. The Week 17 shellacking, that, that doesn't count. Don't even, don't even mention that. It's... Uh, that had about as much weight as a, as a preseason game. So, I mean, that does not matter at all. The Bears' defense has been what, what has made them so dominant and what's been so fun to watch. But you can only keep a lid on the Saints 
for so long, especially in the Superdome. The Bears, at some point, whether it's in the championship or even in the first round, if they get, they get into a shootout, they're going to have to score the ball. And I can trust Mitchell Trubisky to consistently score the ball. There, he's in, there are times when he's like, wow, this guy, okay, this is the, this is the player that they traded up and they, they, wanted, they wanted to draft. This is the guy who they drafted. And then there are other times where it's like, this guy's a bust. Like, what is he doing on the field? There, the spectrum is just too wide for me to put my faith in Mitchell Trubisky week in and week out, especially on the road. I think the Bears defense, again, will keep it really close. Uh, but unlike the Cowboys, they're not going to collapse. I think it'll be a 27-20. Um, the Bears, conversely to the Colts, are a year ahead of schedule. I don't think anyone in the right predicted, you know, or felt that Khalil Mack was going to, you know, propel them to the championship game in the NFC, one game away from the Super Bowl. He obviously, he was going to make them better, but I don't think anyone expected them to be this good. They're one year ahead of schedule. Uh, but Drew Brees, he's here for now. I'll take the Saints 27 to 20. I just think at home he's just going to be a little bit too much for Mr. Trubisky to handle. And this last championship game, AFC, that brings us to the Chargers and the Chiefs. Another divisional game, but in the championship. I love it. I can't. This is going to be a great game. They split the season series with each other. Both wins were on the road, meaning the Chargers won in Kansas City and the Chiefs won in L.A. Uh, The game in Arrowhead was a close one, and it was one of the rare pedestrian performances by uh, Patrick Mahomes. It took a walk-off. Two-point conversion for the Chargers to win that game. Now, I'm not taking anything away. not saying it was a fluke, but a lot had to go right in that game for the Chargers to win. Um, there's not one team in the AFC I really trust. If there's any team that I trust who I can, again, who you know you're going to get week in and week out, it's the Chargers. But I just, sometimes you got to trust your eyes. Sometimes you got to trust your gut. I like the Chiefs in this one. I can't see the Chargers beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead twice in one year especially after you know there was they the Chiefs kind of collapsed they gave up that two-point conversion the second half was really dominated by the Chargers Patrick Mahomes didn't really have his best game he not really he didn't have his best game that that week he wasn't fantastic as he normally is I like the the Chiefs in this one 38 to 27 I think they're going to score enough I think the Chiefs defense as long as I get a stop or two, that's all the Chiefs That's all the Chiefs need. I put a lot of emphasis on that. Oh, two. Okay, so that brings us to the Super Bowl. Very, well, no, not very quickly. Now we can do a Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl. We're not going to rush through this. The Chiefs and the Saints. Both one seeds, ironically. I didn't, I guess. So that guarantees you, I will almost certainly be wrong by going chalk. I picked both one seeds to make the Super Bowl. This is almost guaranteed to not happen but i gotta stick with what i gotta stick by my uh my picks i can't abandon what i what i say uh, i'm sticking with the chiefs and the saints this game this particular game the one that i want to see the most i'm gonna be honest the one game that i want to see more than any other is the chiefs and the bears i oh if i could pick two teams who i wanted the super bowl it'd be the chiefs and the bears i know i said earlier the the eagles and stuff but as far as the best, okay, the best matchup you could see is the Chiefs and the Bears. The best offense in the NFL against the best defense in the NFL. What gives? I mean, what, what in that game, something has to give. Does the Chiefs defense make a stop and the, and the Chiefs offense takes advantage? I mean, I, that's the one match. I think that would be the best possible matchup. But this one right here is still really good. The Chiefs and the Saints, you're going to see a lot of points. You're going to see a lot of scoring. The Super Bowl is not your tradition. It's not a, how do I say this? It's not your, an NFL game. 
And I mean that in the sense, this is a very mainstream, very uh, public game. Like People who have never watched football watch the Super Bowl. This is the matchup that the NFL, specifically Roger Goodell, wants to see. Because there's going to be so much scoring. There's going to be a lot of offense, big highlight plays. So if, you're, if you have you know, the, the majority of the public watching, you know, people who are not traditional football fans, they're going to tend to like this game a little bit more than if it was the Chiefs and the Bears because the Bears, they play defense, and that's something that people don't normally like. I do. I love the Bears. I think they're fun to watch, but the casual fan is not going to like that game. They're going to like this game. Um, still going to be – the quality is different. It's not that it's a bad game. It's just a different style. One game's going to be – you know, defense and offense, you know, there's going to be stops, there's going to be sacks, turnovers, and this game's just going to be scoring, scoring, scoring. So either way, it's a Super Bowl. It's going to be fun to watch. I mean, whether you're casual or if you're a diehard, I don't, I don't care. If you're listening, it doesn't matter what you are. I just, I appreciate that you're listening. Um, and again, the theme of the day, balance. I think the Chiefs kind of hurtling over the Chargers, uh, the Colts, it's only ironic that they face the last team they face is, is another balanced team because the Colts are really balanced on both sides. The Chargers are really balanced on both sides. And the Saints obviously are maybe the most balanced. I think this is going to be their undoing. I think Drew Brees and Sean Payton, their you know, their experience takes over. When the Chiefs strike, and they will, the Chiefs are going to strike in this game for a huge touchdown. The Saints aren't going to pack, they're not going to panic. They're not going to fold it. You know, they're not going to phone it in. The Saints will be ready for this game. They'll keep Patrick Mahomes as a spectator, you know, with Alvin Kamara. They don't throw the ball downfield, which I think is good because you want to keep the Chiefs' offense off the field for as long as possible. So I think, you know, the short intermediate routes, you know, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram pounding the ball, I think that's going to be the formula for beating the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs, after even though they're the number one seed, I think the first two games that they won, the Colts and the Chargers, you can make an argument that those are two upsets because the Colts and the Chargers are definitely more well-rounded teams than the Chiefs. So I think ultimately their, their luck runs out here and the Saints win the Super Bowl 39-30. to It's not going to be a blowout. It's going to be a good game, entertaining, lots of scoring. But I think the Saints, I think maybe the score is a little bit more respectable than the game. I feel like the Saints would win this game comfortably. So there you have it. I had the Saints winning the Super Bowl this year. Another sign that none of this is going to come true because everyone's picking the Saints to win. So this is almost surely not going to happen, but this is what I feel. Saints and Chargers. No, Saints and Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Saints winning. Time for the quote of the week. So we have another Raiders quote of the week this week. And these are becoming my favorite. I'm loving these Raiders quotes of the week because the quotes themselves aren't hilarious. Like the Giannis Antetokounmpo one, that one was just funny. The Raiders quotes aren't funny as far as like what they said. It's hilarious and it's entertaining in the context. So here we go. Quote, I'm really happy to be here. Now that's not a great quote. It's really not that interesting. But in context, hear me out. Here we go. Mike Mayock on being hired as the GM for the Raiders. So the Raiders hired Mike Mayock from NFL Network. He's their drafts guy. He's their Mel Kuyper. He, they hired him to be their new general manager, run the team, you know, build the roster, draft. They have three first-round draft picks, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, he's going to be the, he's the GM. He's, their, he's the guy. 
he's he's going to construct the team. He's going to sign contracts. He's going to be the one to you know give Nathan Peterman a ten million dollar uh, extension. And I just think this is I love the Raiders so much. They're great for business because they 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 never fail in making news. They're not a good football team, but they all they consistently make headlines. And I think it's hilarious that they brought in another TV guy, another broadcaster to run their team. And if there's any example that, you know, a, a, bro- a good broadcaster doesn't instantly translate to wins, it should be the Raiders because they hired John Gruden and they're 4-12. and So I don't think Mike Mayock is the immediate answer. I don't know if he's, you know, I don't think he's Bill Polian. He's going to solve all their problems. They have first round, they have three first round picks. The best one being their own, the one they already had, because they're not good. The other two are not as great because those other two picks belong to playoff teams. And oh, by the way, those two teams wouldn't have made the playoffs if the Raiders hadn't traded with them in the first place. Amari Cooper propelled the Cowboys in the playoffs. They would not have made the playoffs without him. The Bears, I don't think, would have made the playoffs without Khalil Mack. It's not as definitive as the Cowboys, but probably not. So the Raiders, while making those trades, they shipped out their best players for first-round draft picks, which the value diminished because they gave away such great players. Those teams got uh, instantly better. They bring in a guy from NFL Network who does his NFL Network big board. He does he draft coverage. So basically what this tells me is not only are the Raiders the biggest road show in the NFL, they had, what was their plan? They had no idea what they were going to do with their first round picks because they got in a guy whose job at NFL Network is specifically just to scout and rank rank players coming in or coming out of college. So what were they going to do with those picks? If you brought in a guy whose job at NFL Network is to rank college prospects, to be your new GM, you didn't bring in, you know, a, a cap space wizard who can who can sign guys and move contracts around none of that. You brought in a guy who's supposed to be I mean he's never he's a rookie GM we don't know I'm not gonna say he's not a good GM yet not yet I will once it fails but not just yet but you brought in a guy whose job is technically is supposed to be you know find good prospects make good draft picks so that tells me that they had no idea who they were going to draft or what they were going to do so they brought in a guy who's a quote-unquote expert on this uh, on ranking NFL draft classes and that just that puts me in stitches to know that the Raiders were panicking, the building was on fire because they had all these first-round picks that they had, and this is a lot of pressure on Mike Mayock because those picks are so valuable to the Raiders. They invested so much in these picks by shipping out Khalil Mack, by shipping out Amari Cooper. There is so much pressure for them to make the right picks here, and that that makes me laugh because what I envision is just John Gruden ripping his hair out because he knows he he. He knows that he doesn't know who to draft. So he brought in a guy who ranks uh, prospects for a living. We'll see how that works out for them in, in March or April. We'll see how it works out for them in the seasons to come. They will have a top four, top three pick because they're so bad. But that pick they already had. Like they didn't have to trade anybody. And they probably would have still been just as bad if they had Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper because the Raiders are just... They're a mess, but they're a fun mess. And I like to talk about them. That's our show this week. Uh, First of 2019. I hope you had a great new year. You can listen. Oh, thank you to Anchor for sponsoring this week's podcast. I really, really appreciate it. 
You can listen on Anchor Podcast. You can listen on Apple. You can listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever great podcasts are sold. I'll talk to you next week. Go Raiders.